Hello and welcome to the Velocino podcast, where the best stories have not yet been written. Well, I tell you what, Niels, this week I've been out riding and I've been riding in about 10 centimetres of sludge and mud as I've been riding around with the weather like this. How about you? Yeah, that's why we call it the muddy island, isn't it? I haven't been riding this week. I was, although that's not true, I was riding last Sunday on my road bike and I came back. Uh, I, I attach especially certain mud guards um, to keep my bike clean but it looks absolutely filthy yeah times like this when we're looking at the cold and the wet and the wind and the rain here in the uh, the uk it got me thinking back of summer and other things that we've missed from this year i think we'd plan to go to the girona the bike festival we plan to do grind duro in the uk and all those things we've missed and it just got me thinking back to all those fantastic places where we ride and, and stuff that we've got up to what about you yeah definitely traveling is definitely high on the list of stuff that i missed this year just for what you, you know your, your your own um mental peace almost usually in the beginning of the year before the season starts the family and i we usually go to mallorca to you know go riding in nice and warm weather also to be close to the beach and uh, one of my favorite destinations actually besides girona and i've been there now multiple times i i, I honestly lost count it started off with participating there in the in the half ironman event in alcudia and since then we always uh, went back and made a lot of friends on the island that's right i think you you often talk about um this this great cafe that's over there you keep talking about it promising me one day that you'll take me there now hang on now what's didn't you say that the owner's name is lucas didn't you <laughs> is that is that his name no 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 that's absolutely for, uh, wrong and this is i know that you are pulling my leg here because i told you this story so it's basically the workshop cafe in palma de mallorca it's honestly one of the best cycling cafes in the world if you're in mallorca you should definitely go there and the very first time i met jacob who is the owner of the workshop cafe i kept on calling him lucas for like about an hour or so and then when we left with our hire bikes from the place, fantastic track bikes, by the way, uh, he said, oh, one more thing. That's actually not my name. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so embarrassed. I was like, oh, my goodness, it's like such a shame because um, he got introduced from a, from a mutual friend, Philip Söderström, who is a Swedish guy who lives in Mallorca. And uh, yeah, since then, actually, Jacob and I you know, have like a very friendly relationship. Whenever we go to Mallorca, we get our bikes there easy do you know what it, it seems to me like we need to hear both sides of this story uh, about this fabulous place so can you press like that magic button that magics guests into our into our uh, podcast because it'd be great to hear the other side of the story and because i think if you're setting up a, a cafe and a life out in mallorca that's something that a lot of cyclists dream of so that might be interesting to our guests so go on press the magic button and see if you can get Jakob here okay i can do that click Jakob, welcome to the podcast. Wow, the magic button worked. <laughs> easy, eh? From, okay, from Palma. I'm Lucas slash Jakob. Uh, anyway, and the first thing we need... Yes, you welcome me. Uh, yes, I'm the owner of the Workshop Cafe, but you need to know I'm the co-owner with my partner, Vili. So we need to give a credit to the one woman which is behind all the food section. I remember the very first time when we met you guys, she introduced me to this fantastic, it was an avocado sourdough bread with eggs on top. I don't of know course. This. And it's probably some of the best in the world, yeah. So, but I'm here, magic button works. Give me some questions. <laughs> well, look, so, so Jakob, you, if I get this straight, so you've now got your place in Mallorca, which is your cafe, but you also have your coaching and training as well. Uh, and you've had a whole life in cycling and you originally come from Poland. So it sounds to me like you've had an interesting life to get yourself to where you are now. <laughs> I think I did have, and I still have interesting life. I come from a very small town east of Poland, which is close to Ukraine with no heritage of cycling or heritage of anything, actually probably from the communist times. And uh, yeah, but I, I, I have a love for bicycles since I was a kid, I always love it. I always like it. It was um, 
not easy journey, but um, in the 90s, I used to be, I started racing in mountain bikes and that's that's where, where, where everything started. Yeah, I live in the superb terrain to train on the mountain bikes when they were emerging in the beginning of 90s. But when technology started to change, there was, well, it seems like a long time ago already, kind of. I, because I started when I was like 16 years old, uh, yeah, so yeah, love for a nature, love for a bikes and adventure, yeah, something like this. That's how it happened. So how did you come then from um, riding a mountain bike in Poland to the Balearic island of Mallorca to decide to start oh. a cycling company? <laughs> That's a long journey, yeah, but uh, I don't know if we have enough time in the podcast to do this. But uh, my journey was, okay, to make a simple, uh, it was the law for uh, outdoor life and cycling in general and sport. Then uh, I decided to go to the sport, sport academy university on physiology, like a sport science university. And I was not super happy about it. Then I left to the States, uh, worked in a couple of restaurants, wash dishes, and then continue education and some courses in Colorado and different places. And uh, I have a focus on it was my passion always and basically it take me 20 years honestly to to be on the level of coaching like i expect to be but the passion was crazy and that's how my life is and um, bicycle is the core of of is the center of of my, of my life and that um, the drive was always there and the drive for um, knowledge and uh, you know like on the informations so yeah but it was it was a little bit like from the east poland to going to the some university of uh, sport university in poland finishing the masters there and then going to america coming back to poland <laughs> and then starting with professional riders and step by step from continental to continental level to going to world tour yeah, also Olympic Games, medals and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's a long journey. It's super cool because you make it so sound, sound so simple and easy. Oh, I just went from Poland to the US and then a little bit back. Um, but to talk about this, like to give you like a proper introduction to, um, to our audience. So you are one of the four coaches of the CCC team, just as an example. And also um, you are the coach for the uh, Paralympic handbike team from Poland, right? Yes, uh, I mean... I worked with CCC riders for the last like four years. When the on the beginning they used to be pro continental level, and I was working privately with like six, seven guys over there. But in the moment when the team was going to the world tour level, uh, I was invited, like I had a position to stay to go with the team as in the, uh, together with the three other guys from they were all Italians with the performance team so i spent two years with them and that was amazing opportunity to to be in the team in green government and other guys around Matteo train team and going comes and guys like this it's amazing so yeah i did spend four years with them um amazing experience of course uh, from 2021 the ccd team is disappearing from the calendar from the sponsors, sponsorship um, reasons, but I think they will come back. Yeah. Maybe it's the hiccup because of the COVID. And uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, my journey from the small town in Poland to going the world tour and being Tour de France and almost winning some races in uh, Grand Tours. That's really cool. But yeah, I'm also in. In all of this, I'm still the head coach of the Polish hand cycling team. I always have an opportunity to keep it, and I always did take care of the, the opportunity, even if the CCC asked me to come. I said, okay, listen, guys, I need to still take care of the hand cycling little team, yeah? It's because it's like my, it's, it's in my heart, yeah? This is yeah. very important for me yeah, to um, help them, yeah. And with the, uh, look, we've got... Just in that short introduction, Jakob, we've got like a million things that we could ask. But before we go back to to like your uh, in your story, 
coming back to the hand cycling team, what is it about the hand cycling team? You seem really passionate about it. And as you've just said, you know, you're committed to them, uh, even if CCC asks you to go and do something. What is it about it that, that, um, that gives you so much, uh, so, pro so much pride or um, passion? I think it's about pride. <laughs> it's about uh, the first time I, I met people who are doing it and they asked me for help. I was like, okay, I can give you some knowledge. I can introduce you to new technology and maybe you can push something forward. But the commitment they give you, it's in the level in the world to riders or even higher. So basically, it's a little bit of exchange for a coach because uh, you get into it and they give you all the heart, all the, all the passion and results and life and friendship. It's, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's going to the friendship like some family level, yeah? And that's just uh, something I will never give up if I don't need to. It's, and also I'm proud because it's a new sport, the level they train, the how they approach this, it's, um, it's amazing. This is something I'm really proud and um, yeah. It's, uh, I, when I think about the paracycling and the medals in the Olympic games, I, I cried when they win. And uh, this is emotions which it, it's hard, hard to achieve in different levels in the sport. Absolutely crazy. Like I, I can completely relate to that. Like it looks like so rewarding. Um, what you what you get out of this, just like from an emotional point of view. But you know, the, yeah, because we look at them sometimes like oh they are handicapped and uh, maybe you should help them or something. But it's not even this. The commitment comes from the other side. Yeah. It's like fuck. It's really good. You know? Yeah. This is there, yeah. It's it's really sport and it's really high level. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, this is not like do you know like helping to people just to recover or something like this. No, it's not like this. Yeah. And so and and also for me it was super interesting from the level like from the point which it's not researched and you don't have much information. It's all open. You don't know how many watts the people can produce from the hands. It's like now it's be becoming more and more. But when I started like uh, 10 years ago, it was like, wow, it's no, nothing. Nothing you can read about it even yet. Yeah. So like you, you have a, like a free, like open page, like a blank. It's blank and you write your story, which is really, really cool. And that must be great as, as, as being a coach as well. And I think from what you're just saying, I imagine being an ex-professional and being a coach, it must be quite frustrating when you coach somebody who doesn't give the, the full commitment that you must have given to your own training. So when you're dealing with that, you see any athlete that gives you that full commitment and is, is training so hard, that must be, is that more rewarding as a coach? Oh, that's a very hard question, yeah. But yeah, it's like, yeah, if you see somebody who doesn't give the really full commitment, it really doesn't work. But then really depends on who the person is and what, how talented the person is. Sometimes in the coaching profession or in between cyclists and professional guy and the coach, the guy can be so talented, even if you don't do full commitment the good things can happen yeah but uh, but i'm sure the guys from paracycling team is like this is the highest level it's possible yeah it's like they they really really work professionally completely committed yeah and that gives you everything yeah so cool it, it's superb yeah talking about professionalism right one thing that came into my mind was then also like budget right like i can imagine like in cct you have almost like not an endless budget but like in comparison most probably like a much much higher budget in in order to use like for for training purposes where about like in, I, I assume like with a paralympic team the budget might be limited right and um i think this is like so interesting because you're basically like coaching in two completely different worlds in in from from this aspect which is which is super interesting 
<laughs> Let's not talk about the numbers because it will be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's a, that's 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 a good enough answer already, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. But of course, um, it's a different sport, even if it's the same kind of. But the level is a little bit different, so or uh, competition is a little bit different uh, level, uh, different like um, stage. But uh, commitment-wise, really, if I would count them in some you know, one to ten scale, the paracycling team is they're always like a nine ten. Yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, it's really hard to actually have on the professional team people who are committed that much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more about the probably fight about the, to prove something in life or to recover or something something towards this places. But um, yeah. yeah, so money doesn't matter. Really, yeah. that's true. Well, I, it's, it's pure passion. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. And talking of passion, Jakob, now you've had a whole life in cycling. You talked about the time you did your masters, obviously in a sports science degree. And then, you, so you did your master's in sports science, and then you, you, you moved to the US and you've done, you said that, that uh, cycling carried you through. So what is it that is your passion about cycling, that your favorite moments on the bike? Is it the, is it to do with the science of it? Or is it to do just that pure enjoyment like you get as a kid when you get to go out and ride? So what is it that keeps you in it? Because it's, I tell you what, you know, to, to, to have a career like yours, to span so much of cycling, there must be something in there that's keeping you going. <laughs> that's a very good, cool question. Um, I think I have a boat. So first of all, the being on the bike gives me the freedom being there and the speed and being in nature. It's the good emotion we all have from going on the bike is one thing. But the, the, the scientific, like, part of me get um, why it happens because I probably didn't achieve enough as a pro mountain biker and I didn't have enough information so now I start to look for this uh, for this knowledge and I was too heavy I didn't know how to do it because I'm from a small town that's how my interest get in you know that's my, how my head start to work and I start to look for this information and that's why I also moved to America a little bit because at the time when I was born, I did not speak English at all. All knowledge was in either on German or English. So I was locked. There was one book about uh, physiology or like a preparation of the cycling in Poland at the time when I was finishing kind of university. And it was in Russian, Polish Russian, yeah. Like, so, uh, so I have a both parts it's a freedom. It's the speed, it's this enjoyment, and then all this data which I can give it to people, and I can make them better and happier, and and it makes me really happy in life to to give it to them, you know. As a, because it's a combination, like okay, I make a business from this, but I know how much better and happier I'm making them. So it's pure enjoyment, actually. Yeah. And that. That's lovely to hear because I think um, it sounds to me like certainly already just talking about your passion about coaching and your passion about coaching all sorts of different types of riders. You, you don't want to tell your sponsors this, but, you know, this is your life. This is your passion. It's not about the money, although the money is good. The money is a good idea. It's good to have the money, but it is about passion and it is about, about what you drive for. Especially when you then go to the US, right, like where you don't even speak the language at the time or like at, at least... Um, not to a high standard, as you just mentioned. Um, that must have been tough then, like going to the US, like, oh, I got to the US to learn more about cycling. Oh, hang on, I don't speak the language. So how, how did this work? <laughs> but you know, I'm Polish and, <laughs> and uh, we're very well known from pushing the yeah. borders a little bit here and there. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, really? <laughs> and I'm also, you know, I'm from the generation which. I left Poland before Poland was in the EU. Yeah. Poland joined the EU in 2004, I think, and I left in 2002 or something like this. So it's, I couldn't leave there, but I have this like a drive to, to find something else. Yeah? So 
Yeah, and I, I honestly, when you say I have a like a bad level of English, so no, I did not have a bad level of English. I didn't speak English at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it's some, I did some crazy stuff in my life, and then it paid off. Yeah, but the um, the focus was there. It was always this. It was always one focus. It was never something else. That was my my goal. And um, what what did you go to the US for? Was it, did you go there like with a contract to go do some cycling, or did you go there for like uh, to a university, or did you just go there just because it's the USA and let's to see what happens? Uh, mostly because you could make some dollars and I wash some dishes and it's going to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I did not have a contract because I did not speak English, so of course. But the yeah, idea was to go and to learn English and yeah, just go forward. Yeah. And did you That's... did you ride for a team when you were out there eventually? But not for a professional one. No. I, but then I switched for a road when I was there in Miami and start to race the road races and do coaching with some duathlon guys from the US national team. And uh, yeah, it was more story like this. Hmm. Do you know what? When you say something like, yeah, I was doing road racing in Miami, I just, it just. <laughs> not exactly the same. It's like, hang on. <laughs> yeah, in my head, I've got like, there's palm trees, like, do you wear a jersey or do you have to wear like a Hawaiian shirt? I mean, do you have like the, do you have to have gold medallions around you to be able to ride? It, I just think this Miami kind of image in my head of uh, of everybody riding. Or is it just actually, it's just like any normal like road it's racing? Couple, it's quite like any normal, but a lot of crates. And uh, basically they focus on this in States. It's a lot of crates. Like one mile, four corners, you go to nuts, yeah? Yeah. 40 minutes or one hour superbly fast races and really hard but yeah no medallions no hawaiian shirts oh. <laughs> but but the folklore there it's nice it's specific yeah. it's specific <laughs> i just i just love how humble you are like you know if you just for just any english person just think about you would move to a different country where you don't speak the language to just to like make some money in, in the dishwasher and then but that was only oh, yeah, that I was just only happened two, to... those on three weeks for being dishwasher three weeks then I move up you know to being waiter and stuff <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah but you know like for like I I just know like a lot of English people that will listen now and think like oh my goodness in a different language in a country that I don't know all by myself working in, as a dishwasher and then the, in the next step is like yeah I started racing and then I was coaching people from the US national team. <laughs> And I, I just think this is so fascinating, you know, like... Uh, I, I can tell you how it happened with the duathlon. I yeah. was living in actually in Key West, which is the island, in the last island in the Florida Keys before yeah. Cuba. And um, during the hurricane, my neighbor, like, started to talk to me. And was, he was probably younger than five years than me. And he's like, he see I riding a bike. And he's like, oh, you know... I'm like a triathlete, but I want to make a duathlon. But I see you have a power meter in your. Who are you? Yeah. And then yes. I said, Well, I'm doing stuff. <laughs> you know, I finished university in Poland, but I'm really interested in this, like uh, power meters. And I'm work, starting to work with the softwares. And it's like, Really? And he said, I'm from USA, like a duathlon team. Can I be your friend? And it's like, <laughs> Okay. And boom, and it happened, right? <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's a coincidence, but yeah, but, you know, coincidences in life, don't, they don't happen just without a reason. Yeah. And um, yeah, and from there, it just, I fly. Yeah? That, that's so amazing. Uh, this is actually something that Mike and I discussed in, in another episode. I'm not entirely sure in which one, where we, where we said often success in life is linked to luck or like to coincidence, but often you have to push yourself into a position to be ready when luck strikes, right? And that's definitely what you did. Because you Completely 100%. Because it, you create the situations yeah, and you need to be ready to answer. Exactly. So, right. okay, it is a luck, yeah? yeah. But this luck, yeah, it, it happens because you are there and you are ready to, to deliver. That's exactly that's what it is, yeah. Yeah. On the one hand side, either you're ready to deliver or you just wait for it your lifetime to happen and it will never happen. So, it will never happen. Yeah, it will exactly. never happen. 
yeah it so never happens yeah it's so and good. uh if you go with the story farther then that's why i decided to leave america to go back to europe and just go to the pro cycling level because i said i'm ready i'm going and i'm gonna just do it and it take it after six months i was already working in the in pro team which i kind of opened <laughs> by myself <laughs> and uh <laughs> Uh, let's just start let's a pro just, team. Well, well, how do you open your own <laughs> your own team? I mean, it was not mine, but um, I came back to Poland with all this, let's say, knowledge was really like a, a unknown in Europe at that time. It was not really like a parameter in Europe starting yet. I mean, yes, but no. And I met right guys, and then they decided to sponsor like a Conti team, then Pro Continental because they were fascinated, some good businessmen. I mean, that's it. That's how it happened. Right? Again, similar situation, right? Like it's, it's the same, but I make this. It was not easy, yeah, because I moved with a wife and a young daughter, and I said, okay, we move from Florida Keys to, to Poland, which is not really appealing. Yeah, at, at, at all. That's, that's an easier sell in the other direction. Let's face it. Would yeah. you like to? Yeah, and she hated. And uh, but from business perspective, it did work. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, and did you find when you when you came back from the US? Now I, I was listening to something the other day where they were saying there's a difference in the way that people race, like the race culture oh, in the u.s oh, it's, it's it's crazy different yeah so what, i mean what, i don't know what's happening the last 10 years but it's really different yeah it's really different so what were the, what are the kind of differences because i must admit i mean i've never been a a, a a road racer or anything like that but so, so what are the differences when you come from the u.s and to europe i mean first of all the the biggest deal is like about the criterium racing and they do much shorter much uh, more intensity over there and it's mostly everywhere. Uh, and I think it's connected with the uh, law, the closure of the roads. They don't do many stages, the regular road races, yeah? Grand Fonds and stuff yeah. that we do. And it's uh, usually some in some places which is like uh, industrial and you have this, you know, one block close. Yeah. It's really easy to stop this traffic over there. So they do this and, they, and it's a lot of a night. Like, you know, it's completely at night, yeah. So it's like traffic. It's 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 easy to have a you know. There's no people in that area, and you do this at eight o'clock at night. So there's no cars. So it's easy to close by police, yeah. So it's not many. Actually, it's not many races like in Europe we have, like especially like in Mallorca when it's happening, yeah. Or even Poland and England. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, things going on for amateurs and for professionals and semi something yeah in america is really criterion focus maybe time trial also focused but in the weird weird places yeah <laughs> it's lovely but it's uh, the culture wow well, come on culture is a big pickup trucks and playing football yeah, yeah, yeah. american football yeah, it's yeah. different yeah in America, I imagine if you there's there must be some places where you can do a time trial in just a straight line, no problem at all. Yeah, for, no for like 10k and then stop yeah. at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's a little bit different, but still, a lot of people enjoy and ride bicycles. It's, it's quite cool, actually. Yeah, they love European cycling at all, really. Yeah, the high yeah. level, they think we are gods over here, if they're wrong, but. Yeah. They are, but let's shh, shh, let's keep that quiet. Let's, let's yeah. let, them, let them pretend that it's still the truth. Yeah, so so that's that's the biggest difference. So when you came back to Europe and you you're, you're in your professional career, what when you I mean, you were in the professional career for a while. So what was your kind of like your proudest moment or your sort of like highlight in that that era, or or even couple of highlights that that really stand out for you as your your moments where you thought, yes, I'm doing what I wanted to do. This is brilliant. But you're talking about the cycling professional career or the coaching professional career? Uh, the cycling professional career. I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, because, no, because, uh, I mean, 
you know, because I came, like I tell you, like I was doing the mountain biking quite well till I was like 19, 20 years old. But that's kind of niche sport still, right? Yeah. If you are not in the top 10 in the World Cup, I mean, let's be, let's face it, yeah? You're nobody. Yeah. So you cannot plan career on this. And that was the moment I decided like, okay, I will not go for it because it's no sense, yeah? I will never be there. So, yeah, so it, basically it's uh, from this perspective, I'm not proud from this. Mm-hmm. I was doing much better in the, if you're talking about cycling, then when I, okay, I do my America stand and being coach, but then I still, I come back to racing in the road in the States and as a semi-pro because I still work. So I was champion of Florida in time trial. Then when I came to Poland, I yeah, start to race in the masters like uh, division. So I, I was like 10, top 10 in the world in the masters, like uh, in the world, in the world championship. But I was already amateur, let's say, yeah. So like being not good enough as a mountain biker pushed me to search research and being the coach it happens yeah so you're not good enough in your profession so you <laughs> that's what they say about the teachers right you're not good yeah, enough yeah. to teach another one yeah so <laughs> basically it's kind yeah. of like this yeah <laughs> but that's it's interesting though because when in, in the beginning of our conversation as you said um you, you've got this great passion about seeing other people achieve their own goals and get better and be successful so um yes. So, so that's great. So, so from the coaching, the professional coaching, um, particularly at that time in uh, when you were in Poland, is there, is there anything that really stood out for you as moments where you were kind of like either furthering your career or the moments where you gave almost yourself a high five? <laughs> yeah, first one is uh, Olympic gold, para, para Olympic gold in London, which make me really happy then it was in one rio or two in rio uh and from the parasiting that's really it made me crazy happier yeah? yeah. and then from cycling it was uh actually um because i i won polish championship with a professional like elite level with a couple guys but this year the guy which I really took care of for four years, won it. And uh, it was an amazing story. This, this, this year for me was, from in professional perspective in Poland, was completely mad because I won uh, elite in the men, elite in the woman, and Tantra also in the elite men. Yeah? Brilliant. In this year? It's, yeah. Wow. That's so, that is so, so it was a triple, which... It completely blew me off, yeah. Yeah, that is that is incredible. But to have a triple, as well as the Olympic medals in there, that is that's that's an incredible coaching. Um, yeah, this I mean, this year for a for a Polish scene for me was it was completely nuts, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I was expecting to win from the road race because from CCC it was quite it was a strong field, yeah. Uh, but time trial still with the guys from Bora and other ones uh, we lose six times straight with the guy who won the win and after seven years we finally they get it so yeah. I cry <laughs> <laughs> and from the girl I have, because I coach only one girl right now and I kind of don't do woman coaching and uh, I have a one and she won it and I was like okay another one and then yeah it was a good year from a coaching perspective. Very like some top tens and the Grand Tours and second place, losing to Roglic two times in Vuelta in the last two years. It's pissing me off, but still. Yeah. What I can do, what I can do. Yeah. So yeah. as a coach, what happens when you get these successes? Is it like for the next 24 hours, your phone is burning with people that want to come over to you that want to get coached by you that want to that learn from your expertise does that kind of thing happen yeah it does yeah oh. they love you 
next day. Uh, <laughs> then they forget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a superbly crazy uh, profession because the passion you need to give it non-stop. But then you you it's, it's kind of like with this. You basically they count you as a sport, like a person who is a sportman. Like they always count you as a last result. It doesn't matter what you did before. It's like, oh, you're not good here. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's you're done. And uh, the pressure is on nonstop. It's it never finishes. And even if you if you have a, like a, people who you coach privately, they win the you know they, they we achieve the goal. So what? We need to go for another one, and it needs to be higher. So you're only as good as your next result. Yeah, always. It, it never. It's never different. And yeah, it's actually. It give, yeah, it's five minutes. Sometimes you have a glass of wine. And that's it. You go for the next one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the past is past. That that is fascinating. There's so many people that we we talk to through this podcast that are elite athletes, and it's sort of like if you if you achieve your goal you achieve your gold medal, you achieve your world championship or in time trial, you achieve the power, the time, the execution, because that was what the plan was. When you achieve it, in many cases, there's this sense of I've executed the plan and the plan has worked. Great. That's really good. A glass of wine. What's the next plan? And off you move. And it's fascinating that it's, um, it's, it, it's such a, almost a curse of being a elite sport that you you don't just kind of go, hooray, this is brilliant, right, let's go for a week out. We are going bananas for a whole week. We're going to be drinking and having fun and doing this. There isn't that sense for many people. It's like plan executed, brilliant, what's next? Let's go. And it's, uh, oh, it's fascinating and, to hear from the coach. And it's a curse of the real champions, yeah? That's what it happens, yeah. Because yeah. whoever goes bananas after the, what they achieve, they're not champions. Yeah. Because it, because the champion is always like, okay, what's next? Yeah, it's a glass of wine. Okay, maybe you go drunk because it's the time. Maybe Olympic Games is time because it's the end of the season, something. Yeah, but really, it's yeah, come on, you just give it up, up, yeah. up, up. You want to up, and you yeah. want more. You want more. Absolutely, absolutely. You mean, exactly yeah, you, you you thrive, you thrive for more and. Uh, it's never it's not gonna end <laughs> it's, it's really it's scary actually sometimes yeah yeah and that must the pressure be... pressure is never stops yeah and that's interesting i've never thought of that as the coach but because of course the coach is doing this multiple times so like you've got this you know you you win three champion you've got three champions there all of those champions are going to want to be focusing on the next target and for you as the coach, it's like, right, well, you know, I, even I can't spend the time to enjoy that one moment. I've got to move on and I've got to uh, be ready for the next one. So that's, that, yeah, that's, that's so much pressure as a professional coach. So how do you cope with that pressure? What is it that you do to, to, to manage it? I ride the bike. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. You know what? I don't think it's a pressure. Maybe I think like them is the next goal or something. I, I don't, I don't feel the pressure, but sport helps me because I'm active all the time. And I never think about it. Yeah. And like you say, enjoyment about the results, like, okay, like the elite guy, the Polish championship was in June, I think like June or maybe July because it was the COVID situation. But he was uh, visiting me in Mallorca right now in the little training camp private. And basically, the, it's December. And now we drink the wine for it. We drink New Jersey. Yeah. Like <laughs> half year passed. We drink more than one bottle. We drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to and make... you know. And you know what? It was, it's amazing. Yeah. It's good. Because well, it, you have a six months which is passed. And then you see it and say, ah, we did it. <laughs> it's a little bit like, yeah, like well, well, I think we can join in your celebration now. So I think we've all got a drink in our hands. So I think we should all say cheers. No, cheers. no, I have it. I have it too. I have it. You have one as two. Have you got yours, Nils? Yeah, cheers. Nope, obviously. Drink, right? Cheers. I, I call free, obviously. I, see, I feel that's, I now feel I've 
celebrated like a champion. I've had one sip of beer and I've put it down and that's it. Next target. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. The the guy who won the Polish championship is uh, Stanislav, right? Stanislav. Um, yeah, Anjokowski. Yeah. 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 Isn't he CCC? He's development rider, as far as I know. Yeah, he actually won from the development team. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So uh, definitely his bright future, I hope. Uh, that would be good. Yes, he is. The woman's side was a Marta Lach. She's also yes. a very young rider. As far as I know, 22 yeah. years old. Something like this, yeah. 22, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Also, there's also like a very bright future, I hope. So hopefully. Yeah, for the classics, she can, she can be the world champion, future one, in the classic yeah, oh, course. That that's for sure, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a rider for us to, to cross our fingers for now. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. I basically I would like them three of them to be the Olympic champions. <laughs> so uh, the three Polish champions. Yeah, that's hard to achieve. Yeah, that would be a big triple. Do you know what? That's right. I, what I love, Niels, is that you and I ride our bat- bikes locally, and you know, our goals are to beat our friends up one of our local hills. It's so incredible to talk to somebody where, you know, what are their goals? Well, I want three Olympic champions. I mean, that is the kind of goal Speak setting. for yourself. I haven't given up yet with my career. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the ultimate goal setting. I mean, this this is so cool to talk to somebody with, with the goal setting of three Olympic champions. Brilliant, brilliant. Very great. I, okay, but I, I was not thinking it's my goal. Okay, now it's my goal. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> that's oh, it's it's life. It's I said like, that it could be I keep it could be tempting, yeah, because yeah, why not? Well, I think it depending on how you're motivated, maybe we need to say something like uh, well, no one's ever done it before. Well, but that will we need to check because we yeah. don't know. Well, yeah, maybe okay, somebody has. That would be bad. But we can promise you one thing, Mike and I, because like obviously this goal of having multiple Olympic champions from Poland that you are coaching was yeah. first announced in our podcast. So as a result, if this really happens, no, no, no. When this really happened, when it really happened, Mike and I will come over to Mallorca yeah. to get the I, I have a two. I, I have a potential winner for women. I have a potential winner for the road race, but I don't have anybody for the time trial for now. Like is a reality, yeah. So, but well, there you go. Now, now on this podcast, there you go. If anybody is Polish and is good at time trialing and reckons they can be an Olympic champion, uh, just contact the podcast and we'll put you through. I mean, if you're like 95 kilos and this is you've only ridden your bike a couple of times, that's fine, no problem. Because no with problem, the, the yeah. coaching from Jakob, you could definitely yeah, you can uh, try. Definitely... Yeah, yeah. That, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and actually, and, and talking of flying, so so you you're coaching in Poland. What was the catalyst? What was the thing that made you go to Mallorca? I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I Poland's a lovely country, but if I think of the weather <laughs> in Poland versus Mallorca, I can understand one reason. But what was it that that made you go? Okay, when I move back from florida to poland it really okay i think i moved in june or something and then in the middle of august already was dark on like at five o'clock or something no it was too much it's like it's it's really simple it's like a primal instinct you just need to get the fuck out i mean sorry to tell you this I don't know if you can put this in the podcast, but yeah, no, it's no way. It's dark, it's gloomy. Okay, people are so-so, yeah, like they because it's gloomy and dark, so they are so-so. So basically, I decided let's go to the more happy place where the oranges are there. Yeah, yeah. and and it must be from a training perspective. It must be. Don't get me wrong. As a prof- as a as a coach and a professional and as a committed rider, you will ride and train in any weather, and you can ride and train indoors. But yeah. there must be something that keeps you more motivated when you get to ride in consistent warm weather, and you get to ride on you know varied terrain. Climbs. Yeah, the qu- the quality of the of the training in in south of Europe during the winter is just. You cannot compare this to anything else. Okay, it's sometimes it's not perfect, right? 
it still can rain, it can be colder, but you have a light, you have a sun, or nice courses and good tarmac and everything. So to do six hours here and six hours in Britain right now, come on, it's like you can't. <laughs> exactly. We don't we don't have six hours of daylight at the moment. I mean, exactly. it's, it's, it's so yeah. so and that. It's, it's psychological also, because when you come, you feel like a fresh and you have the sun and you can have a beer outside and something. No, it's the quality is there and the lifestyle is nice. And that's, that's why the old guys are coming. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pure. You can do this on Zwift from physiological level of the perspective. You can do it, but then you need to shrink. Yeah, you go to shrink. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but so. also, Mike, Mike, have you been to Mallorca to go road riding? Do you know I have not been road riding in uh, Mallorca. Uh, every next year, everything I've year. seen, it just looks amazing. I think, honestly, it's the best place in the world. That's it. There's no question about it. Maybe the weather is not the best in the world, but if you make a ten, like a point requirements of destination what you do for cycling it will win always yeah well that i mean that is why so many professionals are there to train that is why so many big teams go out there uh, from yeah. a, from across europe because because of that quality if there was somewhere better i'm sure they would go there they will go somewhere else yeah exactly but and then for you though um so when you moved to Mallorca, was the plan to start a cafe from the start or was no, that something? it was my wife it was my wife which pushed and what was the desire to open the cafe because you do cafe but you also do rental bikes you do quite a lot of things from the same place to have a more in better social life <laughs> so good honestly we, we can be we can be really so thankful to to Vili that she came up with this idea to start this it is um, it, it was not completed it was not driven by uh thinking about the profit or something yeah, it was more about uh, to bring more like a feeling of the social group bringing people together yeah. that's the reality because let's be honest the cycling cafe it's a business but how much business it can be it's still like a local cafe. I mean, maybe you can live from it, but you could work like a horse. But um, what you get from this, from the social perspective, is uncountable. Yeah, I mean, the people you you meet, like Niels, like you, like that's why we talk today because we will never met. Like, like, I mean, it's impossible. Yeah, so that alone was worthwhile opening it. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, but that's basically the, the biggest drive for places yeah. like this, yeah? to make uh, yeah. social life more exciting. This is so cool. This is definitely very similar to why we run the podcast, um, just because we have so many chances to speak to really cool people that we, first of all, often would have never met, or second of all, like with you, uh, where we don't have the chance that often to just like, dig a bit deeper like you you know you meet an interesting person and all of a sudden you find so much more out about that person it's super cool and i, I imagine in a in a cycling cafe it's very similar you just meet people that share the same passion and then all of a sudden you also get to talk right and uh this is, i really like that interestingly there's a famous phrase in uh, london which is uh, when you talk to cab drivers so taxi drivers in london they're famous throughout the world uh, and they often will tell you about the famous people that they've had in the back of their cab. So they'll often say, hey, you should have seen who had the back of my cab last week. It was Tom Cruise or somebody really famous. Now, I'm imagining with your cafe being you and with your connections and where you're placed, you must have sort of similar sorts of stories. You must have loads of famous people and riders and train who are training that turn up to your cafe. Is that right as well? Yeah. That's so true. come on, who turns <laughs> out? Fantastic. Okay, but uh, I'm okay, but I look differently about because I work with them, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a star like um you call this in Brit star struck or something or yeah, That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh because I know them all, yeah. So I don't give a shit, mm -hmm. yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> That's so good. But for, for you, for the audience, um, so if you go to Mallorca, it is it is really, really cool if you just like... Uh, <laughs> yeah. For the audience, it's nice. Yeah, you can... You can yeah. Be, but you never know who you're going to be. Yeah, but it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. For me, personally, yeah. it's like, I don't give a shit because they're my friends. Yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, I don't know everybody from the Peloton, but most, like, three-fourths of the biggest one, yeah? Like, yeah. I have a phone in my, in their phone in my my phone, like, a contact, yeah? So, it's a family, yeah? I mean, you know, being in this, as a coach in this circus, you, can, you can't be, like, a person, oh, you see Nibali or somebody, or, well, it's like, oh, it's, it's just... Just why you don't be give, buy me wine, yeah? <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's a different it's a different level, yeah. But this is my perspective because uh, I'm with them for quite long, so they're my friends. They're my friends, yeah. So yeah. I can imagine coming in to your cafe. People can come in. They can have some good food. They have some coffee. They can pick up a bike to ride, and then they'll just see this sort of at the right time of the year. All these professionals coming in. Yes. picking up their own coffee then heading yeah. out as well it, like you said you didn't do this to start like a, a business that's going to earn you millions of euros no. but no. You, you did it to um to enhance the, the feeling of community and that that must still build that that lovely sense of community out there where people can be there have their great food and still see professionals doing what we all do which is stop for a coffee on your ride yeah, that's exactly what it is. But you see, the place really, it's right now more like a yeah, community place or something, which the cycling is a part addition to it. Not Cycling is not the, the drive for a cafe. It's just a place yeah. people like to come with the kids. And my belief was always like this because making money from the cyclists, nah, no. In the restaurant business, no. <laughs> it's just like if they come it's fine yeah but i have so many like fantastic memories like when we went there for the first time because i don't know if you also know uh you guys were actually the first one to introduce me to uh pour over coffee oh yeah yeah that was me that was me yeah like, yeah was, i remember yeah. that and um i, I just want to pour over let coffee? you know it's like pour over coffee it's basically you put the filter from the fil is a filter from the uh, hot water yeah ah. yeah and this, this was really cool and I, I just want to let you know like you might not recognize this or you might not know but um like i have so many memories and i had like certain memories that were the first in your coffee and i i think you might have like the same influence on many many more people and you don't even know about that and this is really really cool okay that's yeah. really nice yeah so that was, that was lovely so, so with the cafe and with the event, so you do cafe events, food, all sorts of different stuff that, that we all know that 2020 has been a pretty rubbish year for either competitions, events, business or, or anything, uh, thanks to COVID. So what are you looking forward to for 2021? Because I guess it's all about sort of rebuilding business, getting people back trying to find reasons for people to to be around so what what are you sort of looking forward to or, or planning uh, so yeah the year was uh, from business perspective from cycling perspective it was horrible right because the mallorcan season was completely cancelled nobody came covid basically i mean the all the restriction and everything the craziness start in march which is the season here so from rental bikes uh, it's basically 100% cut of what you have. It's zero, yeah. Uh, so the year was not perfect, but it's not local people and a little bit tourists to go to, to pay the bills. And we are really hoping if the... But that's really hoping if the vaccines or something, the world is going to come back, yeah? Because we are sure here in Mallorca, if the tourism, I mean, any movement of people will come back in the world, Mallorca will be fine. Because everybody wants to come for a cycling, vacation, whatever it is the name. Yeah. So we'll be okay if these things are gonna 
fall in and place. Yeah. So, um, and are you are you planning any sort of events at the moment, or are you going to wait to see, like, wait for the borders to open and then say, right now? No, we are not planning because whatever you plan, it's it's got it. Yeah, I mean, you can't plan something which it's in the air. Yeah, so nobody's going to commit it. So really, it's a it's a hard situation, but it's not really unpositive. Because everybody, we have this opportunity to be here in 20 degrees in December, super sunny, so a lot of vitamins. So we think positive. So, but planning, no. Planning is not happening just because we don't know. But when you say you you might not want to or cannot really plan at the moment, our audience or our listeners, what you can do actually, if you are planning on going to Mallorca at some point in your life, definitely put the um, workshop in Palma on, onto your bucket list. That's for that's sure, yeah. Place where yeah. You should, yeah. The, is, because yeah. it's the best, yeah, but yeah. yes, it's time to come. If you don't have your old restrictions, yeah, that's the... But yeah. it will, hopefully soon it's going to be more normal. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting because talking to, to people, there's a lot of people I... I speak to when we're looking at um, a cyclist and we've missed out on all our trips this year. We've missed out on all uh, the opportunities to ride and to race. And so interestingly, people I speak to are are saying, well, all those big trips that I I was saying one day in the future, I'll go to Mallorca or one day in the future, I'll do a big event or one time in the future, I'll do this particular thing, whatever it is. Maybe it's, you know, downhill racing in Morzine. Maybe it's, going to Mallorca and riding around there. Maybe it's going to Girona, whatever it is. There's so many different things you could do. The interesting thing is because we've missed out on this year, I think people have realized that, you know what, next year's the year to, to book these things and to take that chance and to get it done because you just, you just don't know when you're going to get the next opportunity. So um, I'm sure just like everybody else, there are going to be a lot of people, like you said, when they open up, Mallorca is definitely the right place to go, so people will come. Uh, and I think um, certainly uh, riding destinations are, are, are gonna gonna receive. No, huge it, look, it's gonna be completely nuts. That's I'm hundred percent. Because even now people are coming. They're trying. Yeah, the more more resourceful people are, they're coming. It's not like it's dead completely. But yeah, as a big game tourism, we need open. Yeah, we need it. And, uh, and it might happen, it will be really busy, yeah, if this is going to be open. But yeah. this, this nationwide is nothing better than here. Yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, for next year, let's face it, you don't need the, uh, the cafe and the workshop to be too busy because you're going to be focusing on those three Olympic medals that you're going to be <laughs> uh, getting your guys to achieve. Um, you heard it here first on the Velocino podcast, everybody. Three yeah. Olympic medals. Well, I don't think I can do them next year. Oh, no, next year. But you've got to start next year, surely, to build. I think you know, it, I think I'm talking about Paris, yeah, not Tokyo. Yeah, so, but it's three years yeah, away. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a different... Okay, we give you time. Different Olympic yeah, yeah. game, longer periods. Yeah, but what you said, like, we're missing our trips and everything. And, uh, yeah, I miss... Uh, uh, the biggest miss from for me was the Olympic Games, yeah, when they cancelled. Yeah. It was like, come on. I want to go to Japan and eat a lot of sushi, yeah? and then um, it didn't happen. <laughs> but I, I just want to take a step back, actually, um, because in the beginning we spoke about, you know, you didn't speak English, really, went to America, mm-hmm. um, learned it there, and uh, as we can hear, obviously, like, very, very well. And now you went back to Poland, and now you went to Spain. Yeah. And I assume you did not speak Spanish. Of course I didn't. <laughs> How did that happen? Like, was it again like um, like a Polish maneuver where you just like... Yeah, but like, come on. When, you go, when you go to Spain, you can go around with the English broken Spanish minimum. And then you go step by step, yeah? It's amazing. Like, yeah. oh, I don't speak Spanish. Let's start a business. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still not super good in Spanish. I can understand 
like most of it, like 95%, I can be committed, right? but I don't, I could not do an interview on this page, forget about it. Yeah, I also speak Russian, if you're interested. But... <laughs> so you wouldn't move to Russia because it would be boring because you wouldn't have to learn the language. No, I would not move there because <laughs> they drink too much. Yeah. Is there like when you when you went to to Mallorca to open a cafe in a completely different culture again? Like because this culture is obviously completely different to like to the US and to yeah. Poland. Was there anything that was really like where you were like, what the hell? Everything. Everything. <laughs> I mean, come on, to make business in Spain is like you know this red tape. Thing, yeah. yeah. No, the administration here doesn't work. It's everything is uphill. It's um, one office to another one. No, it's it's really hard. Yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, okay, maybe it's fun. Depends how you approach life. Yeah, but it's business-wise, it's not good. But it's fun because just. It's, it's cool to be here, yeah, and uh, be around the people. Making money, uh, I don't know. Moving to Spain, setting up this cafe and doing all these things, you obviously didn't do it on your own. And uh, if anyone looks at your website, you can see that Vili is obviously a big part of running the food. And as, as you mentioned earlier, as well as, as, as driving a lot of the business. Um, What was it like for her coming from Poland and then coming straight to Spain and now, you know, running such a big business? I mean, first she moved from with me from States to, to, to Poland. And then she was working on some corporation uh, for a couple of months in Poland. And then she had a huge passion for food. And uh, I guess being with me, <laughs> all the exciting, crazy people around, she got an idea to do it. And that was her idea. Yeah, it was not mine. Yeah, I did not need the cycling cafe to to be in Mallorca, but she had this passion to, and that was her creation. Yeah, and so basically the workshop, it's it's me behind, but her as a heart to do it. Yeah, oh. and I I mean it's honest and that's how it is. Yes, she put life there, and uh, that's her project. Yeah, and. Uh, Yeah. From perspective of the food design and interior design and, and the whole the concept to kind of use me as a as a first people who are gonna come in, which was right. But then on the end, it uh, she created the community, which is like you know, this, like I said, the mothers with the, the, the kids and all their hipsters, whatever. Whoever comes, the best branch in Mallorca and something which has completely no connection with the site. So her passion for uh, what she did, she created a place which is a foodie place, sporty on the side, but it's not a cycling cafe. And completely should be, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's that. Now that's that, out of interest because um, that must be a tricky thing. Because when you're looking at a cafe and the food. I'm sure the food that cyclists want or the food that non-cyclists want or the food that people want when they're on holiday or the people, the food that people want when they're local, that must be really hard to put together a menu or uh, some food that, that's going <laughs> to appeal to everybody. So um, how does that work? Do you, you know, does she design the menu or is it is it yeah she, uh, she does yeah she does design the menu and um, she goes her way or highway and uh, <laughs> and uh, she's good at it but it's really not for her. yeah she has a style which is superb but you can't like you said you can't do the food for everybody And she's more gourmet than the cyclist. Ah. Complete. So what's your, what's your favorite thing on the menu then? Uh, Eggs Benedict. Oh, with the, avocado? You can add avocado, but it's not with the ham, it's with the bacon. Yeah. Fuck, it's, it's just... It's, it's better than anything I eat in America ever, and she's brilliant with this, yeah. 
So she's really, really good. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, you, you, know what the, the, you need to put this in the podcast like X Benedict. Yeah, X Benedict. Right. So on the bucket list for everybody who's listening to this podcast, when you're sat there thinking about what are you going to be doing for next year, it's got to be uh, a trip to Mallorca, go into the cafe and order the eggs Benedict yes. with the the fantastic, I'm guessing it's Spanish bacon, is it? Because the, the way that they do the... It's Spanish bacon, um, actually, yes. It's Spanish yeah, bacon. Yeah, yeah. That's why it always tastes, I don't know, there's something about the way they cure it or whatever they do. It, always does, it, it is good. It is good. But I, I promise you, it's amazing. Yeah. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, you've, you've given us a, a couple of goals already this evening, Jakob. Uh, one is Eggs Benedict uh, in the cafe restaurant. And the other one is three gold medals at the Olympics. Um, now, I think these are two reasonable goals for us to, to for us to focus on for 2021 so uh, yeah. anyone listening you've got the choice you can either start your olympic journey or go for the eggs benedict uh, i think that probably covers most of our audience in the way that uh, they drive themselves uh, absolutely but your um your life in cycling and how it's uh, driven you and your passion and what it's done for for coaching what it's done for travel what it's done for your life has been absolutely fascinating to listen to. So just wanted to thank you absolutely and thank you very much. Thank you so much, guys, too. So much. That was yeah. really, really good. So if you want to check out the cafe, cafe and the workshop is theworkshopparma.cc. So you can find that online and uh, you can start pre-planning and pre-ordering those eggs Benedict for uh, 2021. And for all our listeners, Mike, if they want to support us, the podcast, what do they have to do? Well, the first thing they can do is go onto iTunes and give us a five-star review and say just that they love the podcast. They can tell all their cycling friends and and do all that sort of stuff. The other thing, they can head over to the Velocino shop. The thing that we're known for is the socks, which are outstanding and worn by champions. Uh, but Niels, there's some new things that have turned up this week, aren't there as well? First of all, with the socks is really cool because the first time it, is, it was confirmed just, just recently that um, we are going to sponsor actually a women's team here in the UK, which is going to race a national series finish line racing team. We had Rick the DS on the show a couple of episodes previously. You should give it a tune. And uh, I think this is quite a testament to to show like how good these socks are because if they would be not good they wouldn't wear them so this is really cool and if you want to get in touch with us just send us an email uh, to podcast at velocino.com or follow us across social media on at velocino and uh, you will get all the news also mike has his own little account mike.velocino he has like 20 followers so that needs some love. Yeah, come on, people. You you can help me get to thirty followers. So join and follow me. That would be great. There is some cycling stuff on there, and there's some stuff about uh, beer. Let's face it, I'm not quite as fast as some of the other athletes that we talk about here. And if you want to uh, provide any positive feedback, please do email Mike at Velocino.com. And if you have any complaints, if you didn't like something, if there's a problem that just just in your life, just in general, and you need to, to complain and vent to somebody, feel free to email neils at velocino.com. I thought it was Gemma at Velocino. Anyways. <laughs> so people, start thinking about 2021. Start thinking about warm days, 20 degrees in the winter. Start planning those trips that you want to do that we missed out on in 2020. Start thinking about Mallorca and start thinking about the taste of those eggs benedict that you're going to get in the workshop uh, and one final big thank you to Jakob for joining us today Jakob it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much thank you so much guys